You're listening to Nest Talk, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Now, here's your host, Christopher Linfont. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ravens flock, my name is Christopher Linfont, and I am coming at you at 4:22 on Wednesday, March 13th, and you know what that means. It is the start of the new league year. The Baltimore Ravens have made a flurry of moves in the past few hours, and we've got a lot to talk about on today's show. Uh, lots of craziness going on in the free agency frenzy. Le'Veon Bell signing with the Jets. The Giants trading Odell Beckham Jr. to the Cleveland Browns. Lots and lots of craziness. And of course, the Ravens are subject to this craziness too. Um, today's episode is going to be basically um, all free agency information here. Um but I do want to start out by saying that today is the day that Joe Flacco, Baltimore Ravens quarterback of 11 years, is officially traded to the Denver Broncos in exchange for a fourth-round draft pick. And, you know, as a huge Flacco fan myself, I find this... I mean, I'm not shocked because I knew it was coming. We knew it for months now. Um, you know, ever since he was benched for Lamar Jackson, we all knew that he was going to be replaced completely. And then it was announced, I think, in January that he would be traded, or maybe it was February, yeah, it was February, to the 40, not the 49ers, the Denver Broncos for a fourth-round pick. Um, but it is still sad to see him go after 11 years. Um, and, you know, if he happens to be listening, I'd like to say thank you very much for the past 11 years, and your tenure here was amazing, and the and Baltimore will always remember it. Um, another longtime Raven is on the way out. Uh, I do have to mention Terrell Suggs, 16-year Raven, the Raven to play in the most games ever with the team is on the way out as well. Um, he's signing with the Arizona Cardinals on a one-year deal for $7 million, and we'll talk about this later, but, um, you know, it stings to be losing these guys. It does sting, but we have to move on to a new point in Baltimore Ravens history. We've got a new legacy to chase with Eric DaCosta as GM, with Lamar Jackson at quarterback, um, we just have to find what we need to, you know, our new faces of the franchise. And it's going to be rough, but we'll find them. Um, and But we'll never forget the likes of Terrell Suggs, the likes of Joe Flacco, you know, the guys who really, really helped this franchise out for years on end. We'll never forget that. And we are deeply appreciative of those people. So now jumping in to the Ravens news uh, again, basically, this is all going to be about free agency today and a little bit about the draft. I've got our weekly draft player that we've been doing for a little while now. Uh, we won't be talking about a weekly free agent player simply because um, well, half of them are already on, off the table um, and a whole bunch have yet to even come out onto uh, the free agent market. So, I mean, it's going to be a crazy next few hours, next few days. Uh, they call it a free agency frenzy for a reason. Um, so starting off here, uh, we're going to go down these moves through chronological order. Um, obviously the first move the Ravens made before the free agency frenzy itself is the re-signing of Nick Boyle. Nick Boyle was signed to a three-year, $18 million contract, $6 million average per year on that contract. Um, many NFL GMs saw Nick Boyle as one of the best prospects as a tight end coming out in recent years. 
Um, I remember an Adam Schefter tweet basically saying that he would be the best tight end in the past three or four years to be on the free agent market, and that is because of his amazing skills as a blocker. Nick Boyle is among the best, if not the best, blocker, blocking tight end in the NFL, and that is very valuable in a league where we're seeing an overwhelming majority of tight ends starting to move to being receiving threats only. When you have a guy like Nick Boyle who can, I mean, he's not the best receiver in the world, but he can get it done through the air if he's asked to do that. But when he blocks and when he makes those critical plays, those critical blocks in the running game, uh, you really are able to do a whole lot more with your running game, with your running scheme. You can build around that. So Nick Boyle to the Baltimore Ravens, uh, he's back and you know, a lot of GMs are going to want him. I heard reports that 20 or more teams at the NFL Combine were inquiring, interested about Nick Boyle. Um, so the Ravens were smart to get him before he even hits the free agent market. Uh, and they got him for a pretty cheap contract, $18 million for three years. Um, you know, a lot of people out there, the reaction was, you know, why Nick Boyle, right? Um, he barely makes any catches. He's never had an NFL touchdown. Well, um, he had, with Lamar Jackson, a quarterback, ready for this, 308 snaps at tight end. Um, that is 100 more than the second highest uh, played tight end with Lamar Jackson. Actually, it's more than 100 more. Uh, that was Mark Andrews. I think Hayden Hurst was third. So he has a big-time impact in what the Ravens did last year and presumably what they're going to try to do next year. They're going to try to continue this hard-nosed rushing attack with Lamar Jackson, a quarterback, and with a new running back. We'll get into that in a little bit. I know you guys are excited to hear all the information about the free agents the Ravens have signed so far. Um, but the, he's going to be a crucial part to this running game. Uh, Nick Boyle is, is, again, among the best blocking tight ends in the league, and what he brings to the table is, you know, is, is very valuable to the Baltimore Ravens. And they wanted to lock him down. John Harbaugh wanted to lock him down. Eric DaCosta wanted to lock him down. They get the deal done. Um, and I think this is a great move, honestly, by Baltimore. It brings, uh, it rounds out this tight end core. You've got Hayden Hurst, the big body tight end, who can really become a receiving threat. And I think a blocking threat, too, with his size and his strength, has yet to show what he needs to show. You know, you don't want to say he's a draft bust yet, but... Uh, his first year wasn't that encouraging, so he's got to, you know, do better this year. And then you've got Mark Andrews, who is a phenomenal pass-catching tight end. He reminds me of Dennis Pitta, um, an uninjured Dennis Pitta, basically. And he's going to be a quarterback's best friend for a while, uh, Mark Andrews. But he's not a blocking tight end. But Nick Boyle is a blocking tight end. And now you've got probably the best tight end group in the National Football League with these three, and you're done. You don't need to go into the draft and get another tight end. You don't need to go out and grab a huge tight end to sign. You're basically done. You can just sit with this, you know, maybe add an undrafted free agent or two just for camp, but you're not going out and looking to, you know, overhaul this position anytime soon because now all these guys are going to be here for the next three years. You've got them all under contract for three years. Hayden Hurst could be here for another four with his option. Um... So, really great way for the Ravens to start out the free agency frenzy before, you know, the NFL even dives into it. Um, but, moving on now, the second chronological um, piece the Ravens have here um, in the free agency frenzy, we have, you know, um, the Ravens obviously had problems retaining C.J. Mosley. That's, that's no 
um, secret. So, you know, he was negotiating with the Ravens since training camp, and nothing came of it, nothing came of it, nothing came of it. Once the free agency window opened up, the Ravens, who were still in the bidding war for C.J. Mosley, um, started either talking to or were interested in um, Brandon Marshall. Not the wide receiver Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall, the linebacker, inside linebacker for the Denver Broncos. Um, is a, he's a free agent now, and he's going to sign with a new team this year. And the Ravens were reportedly interested in acquiring Brandon Marshall. Um, and the reason for this, obviously, is because uh, they were wary about you know whether or not they could re-sign C.J. Mosley, basically. So they were starting to develop a backup plan, uh, and they thought that Brandon Marshall could be that backup plan. I don't know if they extended him an offer. I just know that they are interested. I don't know if they've talked to Brandon Marshall. I just know they are interested, or were interested at least a couple nights ago. He still remains on the free agent market. Um, James Palmer was the one who reported this first on Monday. Um, so, you know, he, he's still in the market. Um, and maybe part of that is because you know, he only played in seven games uh, before getting injured, I believe, last year. You know, 42 combined tackles. Uh, he's 29. He'll be turning 30 soon. I don't know exactly when. Um, look, the Ravens could still sign him. Uh, but I honestly think that there is another free agent linebacker, inside linebacker, on the market that I think the Ravens should go after, you know, instead of Brandon Marshall, you know. If, if they have to get Brandon Marshall because they can't get the other guy, fine, so be it. But I think that there is another free agent inside linebacker on this market they can get for cheap, and we will talk about him in a little bit. Uh, but I want to keep moving chronologically here so we can capture all of our Ravens free agent news uh, efficiently and effectively. And the next move um, is, of course, Terrell Suggs signing with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, this is a move that hit a lot of Ravens fans uh, hard. Terrell Suggs talked about being a Raven for life, um, and now he's heading off to Arizona. Uh, this is not a case of the Ravens letting a player walk. Uh, from my understanding, the Ravens um, were interested in keeping Suggs back. They had some sort of dialogue with him or his agent um, and had an offer on the table, to my knowledge, but Suggs ended up taking what appears to be more money in Arizona to go home to spend one year, you know, playing at home. He lives in Arizona, I believe. He's got at least a house out there. Um, he went to school at Arizona State. I mean, this is, you know, he moved to Arizona when he was a kid. So this is, you know, his home, right? Baltimore's his home away from home, but this is really his home, Arizona. And I don't really blame him for going to Arizona. You know, they're going to pay him $7 million in this one year, on this one year deal. Um, to be a rotational, well, maybe not rotational, you know, for $7 million, but he's going to have a big piece of the pie this upcoming season. He slowed down with the Ravens. The Ravens cut his snap count basically in half, um, you know, last year, and he didn't have as much production towards the end of the year than he did in the beginning. Uh, the writing was on the wall that Terrell Suggs' is last year would either be this year or next year, you know, meaning 18 and 19. Um and it looks like it's going to be 2019. It's going to be his last year. I, I think he'll retire after the 2019 season. Uh, he'll probably sign a one-year, I'm sorry, a one-day deal with the Baltimore Ravens, you know, to remain a Raven for life kind of thing. Um, but, you know, he he's going to Arizona, and it is a, you know, 
a deal that's going to hit a lot of Ravens fans hard. Um, but the Ravens could not afford to keep him for $7 million. For he would, what he would amount to be as a rotational linebacker. For $7 million, with the tight cap space, with other more pressing needs, the Ravens just couldn't compete. Um, they just, no possible way that they were going to pay for that kind of that kind of money for Terrell Suggs at this point in his career. Terrell Suggs four years ago, $7 million is a steal. But Terrell Suggs now, at this point in his career, it would be a problem to pay him that kind of money. Um, and you have to do what's best for your team, even if it hurts sometimes. So the Ravens are going to walk away from Terrell Suggs, and Terrell Suggs will walk away from the Ravens at least for a year. I assume that he will come back and sign his one-day deal next year and retire a Baltimore Raven before heading to Canton in five or six to ten years. You know, I, I would imagine he's a first, second, or third ballot Hall of Famer. Um, and, of course, he will be inducted to the Ring of Honor, the Ravens' Ring of Honor, basically immediately after he retires. Um so the Ravens lose both Joe Flacco and Terrell Suggs today. So big, you know, franchise-changing moment here that we're all witnessing. Um, in other news, the Ravens lost out on Tyron Matthew, the safety, free safety, former Cardinal. You know, speaking of the Cardinals here, um, and Texan, he played with the Texans last year. The Ravens, uh, I believe, had interest in Tyron Matthew after cutting Eric Weddle to save cap space. Um but Matthew ultimately wanted a little bit more money than the Ravens were going to shell out as they were, you know, making moves to try to retake, uh, you know, re-sign C.J. Mosley. They couldn't shell out a whole lot of money for him. And he ends up signing with the Chiefs uh, on a three-year, $42 million deal, average annual salary of $14 million. Um, again, the Ravens had to resist the urge to spend a ton of cash while they were still negotiating with C.J. Mosley. It looks like C.J. Mosley, you know, they at least had a shot left at him. He wasn't completely gone. So they were trying not to spend, you know, all their cap space here on a free safety, even though Tyron Matthew would have been, I think, a really nice addition to this defense. Um, they had to stick to their guns here. Um, and, you know, they're going to end up spending about just this much money on another free safety we'll talk about in a little bit. But... Um, you know, again, I would have liked Matthew in this defense, um, but you can't just swing it with C.J. Mosley still out there and you're trying to get him back. But ultimately, he'll go to the, the Chiefs and improve that defense, one of the worst secondaries in the league last year, even though they were very successful in the regular season and went to the AFC Championship. Uh, they were a very bad secondary and definitely needed this overhaul. So the Chiefs get what they need in Tyron Matthew and the Ravens miss out, but do get um, a very good player only a day later. Um, so, C.J. Mosley also is gone. Uh, C.J. Mosley heading to the New York Jets. Um, the Baltimore Ravens fought. I, I will commend Eric DaCosta. He fought very hard to get C.J. Mosley back. Um, but ultimately, he couldn't muster enough money to get C.J. Mosley back, and he refused to overpay him when the New York Jets would overpay him. Look, I absolutely love C.J. Mosley. I love what he brought to the Ravens. I love how he played inside linebacker. And he was overall a great person. But $17 million a year for C.J. Mosley, for any inside linebacker, is ridiculous. Okay, C.J. Mosley is a fantastic player, but he has problems in coverage. No way can I justify paying $17 million on our cap space to C.J. Mosley per year to have him 
be basically a run stuffer, special scene linebacker with the occasional good play in the secondary. He has problems covering in the secondary. It's a problem. Um, the Jets overpaid him. The Ravens offered $14 million per year. They re- refused to sign him to a franchise tag, which have been $15 million next year. They stuck to their guns, um, and they did the harsh thing, but I think it's the thing that had to be, do- had to be done. They could not go out and pay C.J. Mosley $17 million a year just to try to keep him. Um, I guess he wasn't interested in taking a hometown discount. I know he wanted to stay with the Ravens, but you know when you're getting offered $3 million more per year over a five-year contract, the contract is worth $85 million, $51 million guaranteed. I don't really see how you can turn that down, and I don't blame him. You know, he, This is a business. He's got to get paid, um, and he made a business decision. Um, is it ideal for us? No. Is it ideal for him? Maybe not, but it's the business decision he chose. Um, and the Ravens you know, made the best business decision they could, and they're going to have a need an inside linebacker now. I believe they can address this in the draft, but I also believe they will address it at least in free agency to start with. Um, you know, it's tough to see Mosley go with a lot of these other Ravens players that I, I've admired for years now. Um, you know, he's one of my favorite players of the past few years, but DaCosta stuck to his guns, and he committed to not overpaying players, and ultimately... This is the best decision he could have made. Once the franchise tag wasn't placed on Mosley, you know, you knew he was probably gone just because of how much money he was going to get paid on the open market. His market value is insanely high with $17 million. I don't know how many linebackers get $17 million, or at least inside linebackers. I mean, they're important, don't get me wrong. But to pay C.J. Mosley $17 million, the Jets are just blowing money because they have money. And they're not done. We're going to talk about them again very soon. Um, but first, we're going to go up north to Titletown, where we have to talk about the Green Bay Packers, who stole away Zadarius Smith, the linebacker Zadarius Smith. So at this point, the Ravens have already lost uh, two players. Um, or should I say, did they lose? Yeah, no, three players with Terrell Suggs. They lost two players on Wednesday, um, Tuesday at this point. Three, if you count Terrell Suggs from the night before. Um, so as expected, Zadarius Smith, he's attract, he attracted a lot of money on the open market. I mean, a lot of money. We're going to get right into this here. Um, I expected the Ravens to basically let him walk because the numbers people were talking about, you know, $12, $13 million. I couldn't see the value in it. Um, but he ends up getting, ready for this, $16 million per year, four years, $66 million deal. Why on earth would the Green Bay Packers pay Zadarius Smith, of all people, $66 million overall, $16 million a year for four years. I mean, look, I don't have anything against Zadarius Smith, right? He's a good player, a good dude, you know, no problems with him. But his best year was eight and a half sacks. He had two good years. His rookie year, 5.5 sacks, went, he basically ghosted in the defense for two years when Terrell Suggs wasn't injured from that Achilles. That's why he got that playing time in his rookie year. And this year, he gets eight and a half sacks, and you're going to pay him $66 million? That's unbelievable to me. I I mean, he is in his prime, but $66 million over four years? How on earth can you justify that? I just don't understand. If the Ravens wanted to compete with him, I mean, I could see 11, 12 maybe would be, you know, my, my pushing limit. But 16 a year? I don't understand this move at all by the Packers. I mean... 
as soon as the Ravens heard that deal, they probably said, okay, bye, right? Because, you know, there's a lot of edge rushers in this draft. There's guys out there, like Justin Houston, they can sign for cheap. Um, there's no way that Zedaria Smith, what he's produced on the field so far, is worth $60 million, in my opinion. Again, I have nothing. I have no problem with Zedaria Smith. He's a good person. He's a great player. But what he's produced so far, I don't think merits $66 million over four years. I just don't see it. Again, the Ravens, I think, are going to go after, at least inquire about Justin Houston. Um, he's still on the open market, the former Kansas City Chief. Um, you know, and I think overall, the more important pass rusher that was on this defense last year was uh, Matt Judon. I'm more concerned if they can extend Matt Judon after this year than, you know, resigning Zedaria Smith. I think Judon will end up being a better player than Zedaria Smith in the long run. So this is what the Ravens needed to do. They needed to let him walk because he was getting way too much money from the Green Bay Packers, and they just couldn't compete, and there was no reason to even try to compete with that. Um, But we're not done with losing players here, because the Ravens lost a fourth player yesterday uh, in John Brown, and this is another player that I basically expected to walk out of Baltimore. Um, John Brown got an offer from the Bills, three years, $27 million. It's a more modest deal, obviously, than, than some of the other deals the Ravens players have got. Um, but John Brown, look, I love John Brown. What he brought to the Ravens offense with Joe Flacco, a quarterback, was amazing. And he was an overall great dude to have on this team. It was just really fun to have John Brown. I really liked him on this team. But after they switched over to Lamar Jackson, a quarterback, um, it became very clear to me that he didn't just not fit. He didn't mold well with this type of quarterback. John Brown's a speedster. John Brown goes down the field. John Brown catches the ball down the field. You've got to take deep shots to John Brown. Lamar Jackson wasn't, you know, doing that. It was more of a running offense, a quick screen offense, an over-the-middle throw offense, get those slants, you know, those in routes and occasionally those out routes. You're not throwing a go route deep if you're Lamar Jackson. I mean, it happened a few times, but rarely. Um, And, you know, I'm not attacking Lamar Jackson. I'm just saying that's what happened last year. He worked with his strength, which is rushing and quick passes. The Ravens made the playoffs that way. Uh, it worked, but it's not going to work long term with John Brown, you know, playing a role where he's, you know, not sure what he's going to have to do. So I thought it would be better off if John Brown just left the Ravens, found his own new deal, and the Ravens could get, you know, someone for cheaper, you know, who wouldn't command as much money uh, to be your speedy down the field guy because you still need one. Um, so John Brown ends up in, in Buffalo, and I think it's going to be a great fit for him in Buffalo. They've got Josh Allen, who has a cannon of an arm, you know. I don't know how he's going to pan out as a quarterback, but the one thing I do know about Josh Allen is he can throw it anywhere on the field. So he is basically like Joe Flacco in that dimension. He's got a huge arm. He can just chuck the ball deep. So John Brown should fit right in. No problems there. Um, And it's going to be a much better scheme fit for him. Um, And the Ravens obviously made the right call not resigning him. Again, don't put the money on him. If you're not really going to use him in the way that's going to be the most productive, uh, and I think John Brown made the right call and not really, you know, trying to get the Ravens to resign him for, you know, a lot of money. Maybe he did. I don't know. But he made the right decision, I think, in Buffalo, at least. Um, moving on. The last story of yesterday, basically. You know, maybe the biggest story in the NFL. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. This is not the biggest story in the NFL. We're not going to talk about the Odell Beckham trade. If you want to hear about the Odell Beckham trade, 
listen to Goal Line Stance this upcoming podcast. It's coming back, Goal Line Stance podcast, and we'll talk about the goal. We'll talk about Odo Beckham Jr. with my friend um, Nick Sparber, a Giants fan himself, and he's got a lot to say about that. So if you want to hear our opinions on that, go there. But what I will say about um, the second biggest move yesterday, it's Le'Veon Bell to the Jets. Now, okay, this annoyed me a little bit, Le'Veon Bell, because. I don't really want Le'Veon Bell in this offense. I think he's a locker room problem. I think that he's pretty much past his prime, okay? And I think he would just command too much money. So three three problems with Le'Veon Bell right there. Um, everybody wanted Le'Veon Bell, and Le'Veon Bell starts playing these games, and where he's going to go, okay? This is not unlike Le'Veon Bell. So the Le'Veon Bell sweepstakes, they finally come, come to close early in the morning yesterday, 1230 in the morning, right? This is when the word breaks that he's with the Jets, and I'm still awake. Only because I'm I'm I have you know this this lead you know this make believe lead from Marlon Humphrey right um, that Le'Veon Bell is going to announce where he's going uh, on his rap album that's coming out and Marlon Humphrey saying it's the Ravens so I'm like okay well I'll write an article I'll be ready for it but I'm not going to um, you know get my hopes up here, but I'm going to stay up just in case. And I'm going to listen to this rap album. So I recruited some Ravens fans on Twitter to help me out. We listened, you know, we kind of divided and conquered these songs. And, you know, within like 10, 15 minutes, it became very clear that there was nothing on this album that suggested the Ravens or any other team. Okay. So, um, you know, Bell ends up going to the Jets. This news breaks like basically 30 minutes after this album drops. My feeling is Le'Veon Bell just started telling people, hey, I'm going to say it on my album. So people would go and listen to his album, which was not very good, by the way. I was, I couldn't even understand. He's a mumble rapper, apparently. Uh, I couldn't understand a word he was saying. It was very difficult to listen to. Um, so he ends up signing a deal with the Jets, and I'm fine with this because I honestly did not want Le'Veon Bell on the Baltimore Ravens. There are better running backs. Well, you know better running backs to get in the sense that there are not going to be team, you know, problems on the team with him and for cheaper. And, you know, we could draft the younger and Le'Veon Bell's had injuries and suspensions and we got a running back that I really like, and we'll talk about him soon. Um, but I don't, I didn't think Le'Veon Bell would be a good addition to the Ravens. And, you know, apparently I'm not alone in thinking this, uh, the Jets give him five, uh, $52.5 million on a four year contract, 35 million guaranteed. Uh, that's not exactly the number he was looking to get. I think he was trying to get a lot higher than this. Um, but this is, was his best offer. Uh, this is what happens when you sit out an entire year and party in Miami and rap about how you're going to get all this money and you know how you, you're very annoyed at your team for franchise tagging you. A lot of teams just don't want to deal with it. And I think that's what basically happened here. Um, the Jets were the, his highest bidder. Um, but it appears that the Ravens were actually never even interested in Le'Veon Bell. That's what I got out of it. Um, Jason LaCaforna, Canfora, um, who, you know, I have nothing personal against Jason LaCanforna, but what I do know about him as a CBS insider, uh, CBS NFL insider, is that a lot of the times his stories are either inaccurate, false, and appear to be made up sometimes, right? But he was reporting basically all day that he was hearing that the Ravens were not even talking to Le'Veon Bell. And I was just shrugging this off as, oh, he's just got, you know, bad information again. But immediately after Le'Veon Bell signs with the Jets, Adam Schefter goes down on ESPN and says, well, it turns out the Ravens 
we're not even talking to Bell. It appears that Le'Veon Bell's agent fabricated the entire story about the Baltimore Ravens and deliberately pushed it to try to get the Jets to go up higher. And the Jets ended up giving him a deadline because they were taking he was taking way too long for them. And the Jets were like, you got to sign today or else we're going to rescind this offer. So um, Le'Veon Bell ends up signing with the Jets there. Um, but the fact that they fabricated this whole story about the Ravens and all these you know people picked it up and other people were saying that the Ravens were interested. Jeff Srebik of The Athletics said he was hearing both things at once. I mean, there were conflicting reports. I was just going with the Ravens were, you know, interested because that's what everybody was saying. You know, I don't have these sources that Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, Jeff Srebik, even Jason Luckenfora. I don't have these sources. I go off of what the insiders are saying. And the, all the insiders, except for Ken Fora, were saying the Ravens were interested, and Zurebeck, our Ravens insider of The Athletic, was basically saying that he's heard both, and he's really not sure. So, you know, I just assumed they would at least make an offer, but they didn't even talk to Bell, it sounds like. Um, he would have been a huge strain on the salary cap, though, uh, and a locker room problem. Again, history of injuries, suspensions. Um, I think the Ravens should honestly just go draft a running back in you know, some of the earlier rounds within the first three rounds. Find a guy you think can be the leader in the future. I'm not sure if Gus Edwards is going to be your leader in the future um, because, you know, the Ravens have a history of finding running backs for that are going to be good for one year and then who completely tank in year two. And I don't want that to happen to Gus Edwards, but it's happened, let's see, to Alex Collins, to Justin Forsett. You could even say um, Terrence West if you want, right? It just keeps happening, and we're getting burned you know, time after time after time here. Someone's just got to find, you know, a real running back for once. Uh, and I think they found one in the guy they signed today. They can use him for like two to three years, but he's, you know, 29. And we're, again, we're going to talk about him, but he is 29 and we're going to have to find someone for long term. I think the Ravens should turn to the draft and find, you know, maybe they can't find anybody. Maybe they don't really like anybody. Then wait till next year, but at least be prepared to move on to a younger guy um, soon. But, in the end, Le'Veon Bell signs with the Jets. A lot of the Ravens flock were very disappointed. I was fine with this. I didn't really want Le'Veon. Too crazy, you know, too costly, too everything for me. Um, so Le'Veon is not signing with the with the Baltimore Ravens. But a player that is signing with the Baltimore Ravens, and this broke uh, this, this afternoon around 12 o'clock in the afternoon, um, that player is Earl Thomas, the former safety of the Seattle Seahawks, the free safety, and the last vestige of the Legion of Boom on that team last year. Um, I'll give you a rundown on the timeline here. Um, basically, Earl Thomas was expected to have a lot of interest from a lot of teams. Um, a lot of people went for the younger guys. He's 29 right now. Uh, he will turn 30 in May. A lot of teams went for the younger guys. Tyron Matthew, Adrian Amos signed with the Green Bay Packers. Um... But ultimately, the Ravens are going to target Earl Thomas. And that is because, uh, well, maybe not because, but the expectation was, at least yesterday, for much of yesterday, that the Ravens were not alone. Um, the chief bidder on Earl Thomas was the Browns, and the Browns were expected to be the ones who were going to land Earl Thomas. This morning, Mike Garofolo, other reporters, uh, start reporting that, wait a minute here, the Browns aren't even talking to Earl Thomas. And at this point, I'm like, okay, we cut Eric Weddle. The Browns reportedly were going to sign 
uh, Earl Thomas, not even interested. We need a safety. He's the best safety on the market. We've we have a ton of cap space, almost thirty million. We haven't signed anybody yet. This makes like this sounds like a Ravens move to me. So I'm getting ready. You know, I'm gonna write an article about this before it breaks, just in case. Um, so you know, I I go away from my my phone, my desk, my my computer for like ten minutes. I come back. I look at my phone. It's blowing up. Earl Thomas signed to the Baltimore Ravens. I'm like, are you kidding me? Right? Like, I'm happy about the signing, but I wasn't prepared for this. Um, so this is me at 12 noon now, scrambling to write an article, you know, that I wasn't ready for. Um, Earl Thomas signed a, a deal with the Baltimore Ravens for $55 million over four years. Now, I do think they maybe smidged this a little bit in overpaying him just a tad bit here. This is a lot of money to give a 29-year-old who was coming off of a broken leg last year. Um, but the bright side of this, $32 million guaranteed, and it's a lot, but $22 million of that 55 I don't know if it's of that $32 million guaranteed, at least $22 million will be given to Earl Thomas in the first nine months of his contract, as Adam Schefter is reporting on ESPN, uh, on his Twitter, I'm sorry, Adam Schefter of ESPN reporting on Twitter that he's going to get $22 million in the first nine months. Um, so it looks like the Ravens are basically front-loading his contract so that the older he gets, the more injury-prone he gets, the less of a chance they're going to have to pay a lot of money to him for getting injured, for getting cut, etc. Um, but look, this is arguably the biggest splash the Ravens have made in a few years now. Uh, signing Earl Thomas, a very good safety. Let's not, not, let's not you know, brush over this. Earl Thomas is a very good safety, Okay. Um, but he is getting older. So I think it's an upgrade at the position. You know, you can argue about it all you want with Eric Weddle. I believe it's an upgrade at the, at the safety position. He's younger. You know, he's more efficient at this point than Eric Weddle is at this point in his career. Um, I think the Ravens probably overpaid him just a little bit. They had to get him away from the Cowboys' grip. Um, but, you know, after losing Eric Weddle and not having any free safeties on the depth chart, you have to make some sort of move. And the Ravens made it, you know... And, of course, they were losing other players, and they had to do something to, to, you know, kind of reel our confidence back in here, reel this defense back into becoming one of the best. Um, this safe, this secondary is going to be one of the best secondaries if Jimmy Smith is not cut. And um, I say Jimmy Smith might get cut because he's due $15 million next year. With this $22 million, if they actually do give it to him in the first year, the Ravens might have to clear some cap space. Jimmy Smith could be the cap casualty here. Um but if this secondary does stand, you've got Earl Thomas at free safety, Tony Jefferson at strong safety, Marlon Humphrey, Brandon Carr, Jimmy Smith at corner. You've got Deshaun Elliott and Chuck Clark as your backup safeties. You have Anthony Levine, who might be back on this roster. Uh, you've got um, Anthony Averett and Maurice Kennedy as your developmental guys at corner. I mean, this is a stacked secondary. This is going to be the best secondary in the league next year. As long as nobody gets injured, nobody gets cut. Uh, everyone performs to what they should perform to. This is the best secondary in the league. The Ravens just need to figure out their linebacker uh, strategy going forward and their pass rushers. But, I mean, this is phenomenal uh, what this, the secondary is going to look like. The Ravens can free up $9 million by cutting Jimmy Smith, but uh, I don't know if they will, honestly, because now they have to deal with the Browns, who have OBJ, uh, Jarvis Landry, not Bashad Perryman anymore. He was going to sign with the Browns and then left after the OBJ trade because his role would be diminished. Uh, but they've got other receivers. David Njoku out there. Really, really talented team the Browns have on offense. And the Ravens, look, they're they're getting ready to fight for the division here. So 
Um, Earl Thomas, again, one of the biggest splashes the Ravens have made in free agency in recent memory. Uh, and the Ravens love their safeties. You know, Ed Reed over the years, Eric Weddle, you know, they, they drafted Matt Elam, didn't work out. Um, but they, they love their safeties, and I think this is a good addition overall, although it is a little pricey for the Ravens. Um, Ten minutes after that, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to write this article now, and the Mark Ingram news breaks. Now, at least I knew this was coming because of Mike Silver's report yesterday that the Ravens were very close, and I just assumed that Le'Veon Bell would end up signing with the Jets, which he did. So I wrote this article yesterday, but I had to revise it a little bit for today. So I was ready for this one. Um, Ten minutes after the news broke on Earl Thomas, we get confirmation that the Ravens have officially signed Mark Ingram, or at least intend to sign at the uh, at the new league year, which has now happened about an hour ago at 4 o'clock. Um, Mark Ingram signs, the former Saints running back, signs with the Ravens on a uh, three-year, $15 million deal. $5 million per year for Mark Ingram. Congratulations, Eric DaCosta. You got the steal of free agency so far. This is a great deal for the Baltimore Ravens. This is fantastic. Mark Ingram, that downhill runner you want to pair with Lamar Jackson, that Gus Edwards, he fulfilled that role last year. You get an insurance policy if Gus Edwards can't do it this year. You get a proven guy. He's going to be 29 for basically all this year until December. He's got gas left in the tank. I think he's still got at least three years left in the tank. You get him on three years, $5 million per year for Mark Ingram. Are you kidding me? Like, this is a great deal. I can't stress how much I love this deal for the Ravens. This is perfect. Mark Ingram is is a fantastic running back, super well-respected by his teammates, super well-respected by the entire NFL. Um, you know, got lots of gas left in the tank. Uh, the price is amazing. The player is amazing. And this is a perfect match schematically with the Ravens. This is, you know, my favorite Eric DaCosta move so far. He's only been GM for like a month now. But this is a really great move. This is probably my favorite move free agency. I love Earl Thomas, but it was a little costly. The price they got on Mark Ingram, it's really, really good. I thought they might be able to get him for four, you know, but he would they would have had to add like one or two years on that contract. Three years, fifteen million, perfect. Perfect. I'm, I'm happy with this. This is a great deal. Great deal for the Ravens. Um, but to end up, you know, end our free agency talk here before we, you know, dabble with our draft player of the week. Um I'm going to talk about Zach Brown. The, the Again, I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that the Baltimore Ravens were interested in Brandon Marshall, the linebacker for the Denver Broncos. Uh, and Brandon Marshall, you know, could be a good fit. But I think Zach Brown, right, the former linebacker of the Redskins, Buffalo Bills, and I forget there was another team in there too, Tennessee Titans, I think he would be a better player for the Baltimore Ravens to grab. And I say this because um, he's going to be cheaper. The Redskins tried to get rid of him they tried to trade him they wanted to get cj mosley actually so they started shopping zach brown around but they couldn't find anybody that would take him they're going to cut him lots of linebackers already off the market it's day three now free agency frenzy zach brown will be affordable for the baltimore ravens he's going to be affordable i think that you know he's 29 He's, you know, still got years left ahead of him. He could be a stopgap. He could be, you know, a starter for four years. Who knows? But he's going to bring the linebacker core a little leadership in a time where they've lost C.J. Mosley and they need somebody to come in here and, and do really well. I think Zach Brown can be that player. Now, last year, okay, he played in 12 games or started 12 games. Um, 96 combined tackles. That's pretty darn good for a linebacker. Um, 
I think the Redskins just thought it was too costly to keep him. They have to inhale that Alex Smith contract, and he might not even play next year after that terrible leg injury, that infection that came after surgery. Um, so Zach Brown on the market, I think he's a good option for the Ravens. Stopgap could be a little bit longer term of a starter. Go get him, Eric DaCosta. You can get him cheap. I promise you that. So to wrap up today's episode, we're going to dive off a little bit of free agency here and go back into the draft. Now, I said that we'd have our draft prospect of the week, and we do. Um, with the loss of our edge rushers here in Terrell Suggs and Zedaria Smith, I thought it would be appropriate to look at an edge rusher, and this week's edge rusher will be Montez Sweat. Now, Montez Sweat, Mississippi State product, 6'6", 260-pound linebacker or edge rusher. He could be a DE, whatever you need him. He could play in a 3-4-4-3. doesn't really matter for him. He's you know got that... Uh, 35 and 3 fourths arm uh, length, those 10 and a half inch hands. This dude's huge, but he's also um, very, very fast. He's got that 4.41 40 yard dash speed, very uh, quick 30 cone, a uh, three cone drill, 7.0 seconds, uh, 4.29 on the 20 yard shuttle. You've got, uh, you know, other indications. He's strong, 21 bench press reps. Uh, 36.0 vertical jump, uh, 125 broad jump, lots of speed, lots of agility, freakish athlete for his size. I think Montez Sweat can become one of the premier uh, edge rushers in the league uh, coming out of Mississippi State here. Mississippi State, he played there for two years. He transferred from Michigan State. In those two years at Mississippi State, he recorded 101 total tackles, 22.5 sacks. So double-digit sacks in both the years, actually. Uh, fantastic two years for him, uh, and I think he could make a huge impact on the Ravens if the Ravens can grab him at 22. He might go a little higher, he might go a little lower. Uh, he might be there, he might not be there. For a full player evaluation on Montez Sweat, you can check out BaltimoreFeather.com. We're going to be publishing that in the next few days. Um, so that wraps up today's episode of Nest Talk. Uh, so just a bit of housekeeping. The Goal Line Stance podcast with Nick's Barber is coming back uh, soon within the week, I would say. So stay tuned. You can follow it on Goal Line Stance on Twitter. That's an NFL-based podcast, not just the Baltimore Ravens. We talk about all teams, all divisions, everything going on in the NFL. We're going to be talking about the free agency frenzy and look ahead to the draft. Um, you can follow the Nest Talk at Nest Talk on Twitter. You can hit up Baltimore Feather at Bmore Feather on Twitter. You can also find us and like us on Facebook to stay up to date with the latest and greatest Ravens news or just go on to BaltimoreFeather.com for all your Baltimore Ravens needs. You can find me at Chris Linfont on Twitter. Uh, I'm always willing to talk Baltimore Ravens with anybody. So, so long, everybody. Uh, have a great week, great rest of your day. Uh, I look forward to next week as we have more free agency and draft news coming ahead for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, so long and have a great day, everybody.